July 24, 1959. At the opening of the American National Exhibition in Moscow, Richard Nixon and Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev have a kitchen debate. The debate was apparently about the best way to load a dishwasher and resulted in U.S. support of Guatemalan death squads. Welcome to The Revisionists. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. <laughs> there we go. We're doing it. Sorry, I was a moment behind. I was getting up my notes. <laughs> we're, 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 on, we're going full throttle. This is F9, baby. We're like pushing the pedal to the metal. Yeah. We're jumping from like one Dubai tower to another. <laughs> I've not seen F9 yet, so I'm not sure. They're all the same. Are they going car, to space or fast. is that a later one? Cargo fast. That's the Car- point. Yeah, cargo fast. Uh, Family speaking- good, cargo fast. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Fast and Furious franchise, uh, Mitch Jones is here. How with- y'all? <laughs> I played Vin Diesel. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Your Vin, Di- like Vin Diesel has a number of body doubles, much like Saddam Hussein. Yeah. 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 So Vin Diesel, reasons. you you may not know, Vin Diesel does indeed do the voice for the Iron Giant and Groot, but every time you see Vin Diesel on screen, it's actually Mitch, jo- Mitch Jones, and Vin Diesel does the voice for that. He is strictly a voice actor. Now, Mitch right. Jones is the yeah. body actor. Uh, I did have <laughs> questions about Triple X, uh, the return of Xander Cage. Oh yeah, uh, dirt bike across the ocean. Yeah, very real. <laughs> Very real. <laughs> yeah, that, that that was almost poetic in a way I did not expect from the third movie in the Triple X franchise. <laughs> we and have to get so that third like, X. The third yeah. X is the best X. Oh, yeah. That's the one that takes it from mm to mm. Yeah, two X's <laughs> is two X's is 20 in Roman numerals, and three X's is either moonshine or porn. So... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And either yeah, three X's is actually it's actually Roman for bow chicka bow wow. <laughs> I mean, it's also a Roman numeral too. It's also yeah. the Roman yeah. numeral for thirty, which is the new twenty. Um, so you know, moon, moonshine and pornography. <laughs> um, that's the, the sorry. There is a crying baby in the background. Uh, de rigueur at this point. Yeah, that's just going to be a feature. Um, well, that's listeners, going to be in the next Fast and the Furious. Fast yep. 10 years here. Well, she's, yeah, she they is, talk about family, but when are they going to have a fucking baby that's always in the back of the car while they're dragging a safe <laughs> down the Los Angeles freeway? It's interesting. She showed me the shooting script uh, for F10. And yeah, it's mainly like a three men and a baby riff. There's very little driving in it. <laughs> well, we got Gutenberg dancing and Selleck signed on to reprise roles. <laughs> there there yeah. is driving. It's in a Toyota Rav Four, though. That's the that's the thing. The unfortunate part is they got the original baby on to reprise her role, and she's thirty now. Yeah, so it's like it's lost. Up. All the, they're doing like de aging, uh, like with Little Man, which was not de aging. They just CGI'd one of the Wayne's brothers' heads onto a baby's body. Now that I think of it, de aging was like mank. Might not even have been a baby. It was definitely probably just a little person. Yeah, that's yeah. that's true. They should have gotten that baby from American Sniper. <laughs> <laughs> that baby cost nine billion dollars and took. 30 hours to process a single frame. <laughs> so many Disney animators died making that baby. Uh, uh, it was imagineered to replace <laughs> humanity. Oh, God. Well, listeners, if you're new to the show, what we do each episode is we talk about the baby from American Sniper, because I think that's the second time that fucker's come up. Um, hey, I don't know. I'm obsessed with him recently. <laughs> It's, if you could see I'm the, the only person in the world who still thinks regularly about the baby from American Sniper. <laughs> or I think about the movie American Sniper at all. Yeah. A lot of people don't know this, but the baby from uh, American Sniper, Vin Diesel. Vin <laughs> oh, Diesel wow. did the voice. He's good. He's, He's really good. good. Where, where, 
etc. Dad I his family. <laughs> These are <laughs> I mean, Mitch, obviously your Vin Diesel is is Vin Diesel. <laughs> right. I, I guess body, my impression I'm of Vin Diesel is we established that Mitch is David Prowse to uh, Vin Diesel's James Earl Jones. We all know. <laughs> right. right. Yep. Um, there was a lot of uh, on-screen tension with me and The Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to play the baby in American Sniper. I beat him out in the role. Was it, was it The Rock who called Vin Diesel a candy ass or the other way around? It doesn't matter. But the Rock... <laughs> No, uh, no. I think uh, it was the the Rock. Or no, I think yeah. The Rock said Vin Diesel had bad work ethic or whatever. Yeah, I could see that. Um, Fans, you can look up the Rock Vin Diesel feud if you like. Yeah, find out the details. That is not what this episode is about. We did we did momentarily say should this be about the Rock Vin Diesel feud in our spy segment. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it might have happened on one of the days in the history that this will be affected by. I mean, it yeah. is history. Um, mm-hmm. But what we actually do is we take a topic yeah. from history uh, and one person presents the official uh, USDA-approved uh, version of events and another person comes up with the underground, not mainstream, not your daddy's history uh, alternate version of events. And the winner, uh, based on the opinion of one of us and the listening public, gets to become the truth going forward uh, in, in an aspect of the podcast, again, increasingly uncomfortable with in the, <laughs> since the emergence of Q. Um, but <laughs> um, if you listen to our last episode, Operation Snow White, uh, with Cody Derricks, the mm-hmm. alternate uh, one out, uh, which was a great fairy tale <laughs> reimagining of the story of Scientology, uh, not not the like story told by Scientology, but the actual story of Scientology. Um, so thank you to Cody for that. Um, but this week we are going to be discussing uh, a man called Lionel Crab, uh, and Mitch, you'll be doing the true story. Lionel Crab, not oh. a chain restaurant. No. But, uh, <laughs> instead of instead of man who lived for a while. Yes, yeah, a man who lived for a, that was his epitaph. It could be all of our epitaphs. <laughs> True, very, it's very Vonnegut. Uh, but Mitch, whenever you're ready, okay. take it away. Lionel Kenneth Philip Crab. He had two middle names. That's how British he was. He <laughs> nice. was. Uh, he was also he was a Royal Navy frogman, uh, and not a some sort of anthropomorphic anamorph type person. Sure. He was a diver. Uh, <laughs> he was not a battle toad. He was not a battle toad. He, uh, <laughs> he started out as a diver in the Second World War, and uh, he was known for like. Uh, first off, he was an. Uh, let me give you the background on our man Lionel, aka Buster Crab. Um, he was born in 1909 to Hugh and Beatrice Crab. Sorry, father of Buster Rhymes. Uh, father of Buster Rhymes. Um, he was born in Streetham, Streetham, Statham. He was born in Jason Statham, Southwest you know, London. Streetham. Yep. You just walk uh, up to a cart on the corner, get some street ham. I was thinking just a can of ham's beer. You just find it, it's all warm, <laughs> scraped up from the sidewalk. Yeah, just like um, sun-warmed ham. <laughs> he, uh, so he I don't know. A, in England, like, ham has got to be on either the front or end of every... It's a hamlet. It's a street mm. ham. It's Hampton Heath. You know. Yeah. You got to put ham, ham in there somewhere. It's the ham queen. Fucking yeah. ham. Buckingham <laughs> Palace. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> the ham parliament. I think there's a bigger conspiracy at work here, fellas. The... Um, <laughs> In Britain, uh, everything he, either starts or ends with ham. And if we're all lucky, we'll start and end with ham in our own lives. <laughs> yeah. So many great epitaphs in this episode so far. <laughs> he died doing what he loved. Ham. <laughs> just, ham. 
<laughs> All right, so Lionel Cla- uh, Crab. He was uh, he went to school on a ship, the HMS Conway, and he joined the Merchant Navy and enlisted in the Second World War, where he was an Army gunner. But then he joined the Royal Navy in 1941, and he was sent to Gibraltar, where he worked uh, to dispose of Italian limpet mines. The enemy divers would pop up and put on the hulls of uh, allied ships and uh, his job was just to like disarm those so if they came back to the port with it he'd be like oh that's a bit of a sticky wicket in it and he'd pop it off there um, but so he's he basically decided... a chimbley sweep for for right. mines yeah. yeah he was or uh... somebody who like peels barnacles off a ship but the barnacles could explode yeah yeah he was a barnacle boy um, <laughs> that was the proper term for it um, but then he then he went to uh, became a diver, and he would work during the war where um, specifically when Italy was still part of the Axis powers. So they, he was kind of a countermeasure to Italian frogmen uh, and doing like manned torpedo attacks. And at this point, the British Navy uh, they had only dived with rebreathers and uh, escape apparatus which basically looked just like a gas mask that they were, you know, that was used for gas, but they're like, you could probably go under the water with it. Um, (laughs) Made out of leather, you know, like you'd have to trap all the air, like, like, you know, pulling a grocery. Yeah. You're just coming up with wet leather on your head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But at one point, like, and they would just do the breaststroke while they were trying to swim on missions. Um, <laughs> but in 1942, there was an attack with two Italian frogmen. Um, they came up and they died uh, by these explosive charges that were thrown from these harbor defense boats, which is a tactic said to have been introduced by Crab. He was just like, well, we just throw these bombs into the water. <laughs> I, I love calling that a tactic when it's just literally throwing a bomb at someone in the it's basically like something you could do in zelda right yeah it's basically uh you know the only thing you could do with a bomb in water Um, (laughs) but he he invented that he was (laughs) he was the forefront of the technology of throwing a bomb overboard (laughs) while persons were in the water Uh, and then that is notable because on, in 1942, these Italian divers, they had used swim fins for your feet. And so after they bombed them in the water, Crab and his partner, Sidney Knowles, they retroactively uh, incorporated swim fins and scuba sets into, it became like standard Royal Navy equipment. So you could swim with like big swim fins and stuff. Okay. Um, so <laughs> later inspiring the movie swim fin yeah and swim fan too yep. and swim fun um fuck that's all swim the vowels i can swim fun <laughs> that's probably some sort of knockoff etsy site for swim trunks yeah so they dropped the bombs in the water and it was and then they stole the swim fins from the italians there and that was it for his World War II service. He was <laughs> awarded medals for his uh, service, and he became the uh, he created the office of the Order of the British. He was later create. Sorry, yeah, it's uh, such you a know, weird. You get what phrasing. you pay for on on Wikipedia. He was later <laughs> created an officer of the Order of the British Empire for these services. Uh, his his service there. Um, he investigated the suspicious death of General Sikorsky of the Polish Army, and uh, also started um, like he was exploring the Spanish galleon from the 1588 Armada. Um, so he was just kind of a civilian diver, mm-hmm. and in 1955, him and his fellow frogmen. Sidney Knowles, they went to go investigate the hull of a Soviet Sverdlov class cruiser. (laughs) They wanted it. Sorry, it sounded like you choked on something for a second. Sverdlov! 
<laughs> it's like me when I fit one too many marshmallows into my mouth. Swirlwolf. Um, I, I'm probably butchering that, but uh, that's our Russian tradition. Yes. Um, so basically, they had in '55. They were like, "Why is this ship move so good? What's going on with that?" And <laughs> why boat go? Just, yeah, why boat go? And what they found was they uh, uh, there's a circular opening on the ship's bow uh, underneath the waterline, and there was a large propeller that could be directed to give it thrust. So instead of just being able to go back and forward, there was another propeller under under the bow of the ship that could make it go left and right or starboard and port if you got my sea heads uh, (laughs) direct the propeller in different directions or alternatively have separate propellers for the direction you want to go also shout out the sea heads uh big contingent on the open seas people living (laughs) in international waters really seem to have taken a shine to the podcast (laughs) where the law can reach no man (laughs) <laughs> listening on their ham radios. Yeah, exactly. That's how they are British, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so in 55, after they found out the secret propeller that was on this Russian uh, cruiser, he had to retire due to his age. But at, well, after a year of retirement, he was recruited by MI6, which uh, there's MI6 and then there's MI5. I don't know which one's better. Um <laughs> Uh, if we're going by <laughs> MI6 is like you know a higher number but only in the, unless you're doing a top 10 list and counting down and then MI5 is better so right it might be golf rules yes it might be golf rules um, um if you would like a if anybody would like a genuine clarification between the two <laughs> yes i would actually uh MI5 is like uh, internal affairs it's like the uh the fbi so it looks at things inside the country and mi6 is like the cia it's external intelligence it's you know other countries what's going on there so mi5 yeah. would track down serial killers inside of britain and mi6 would uh you know do foreign intelligence shit. they'd be like exactly yes they're the ones who would like overthrow the uh overthrow the iranian government or something you know just to just pull a totally wild example out of that said i have no idea what mi1 through three or four for that matter well mi3 is tokyo drift i think oh yeah that's true and then mi2 they make lollipops Ghost Four protocols in there. Yeah. Ghost protocols in there somewhere, for sure. <laughs> hey, if if there was a government agency called Ghost Protocol, you better believe everybody's <laughs> signing up for that. Yeah. Umbrellas. It turns out to like... just be like the Bagsby brothers on uh, the History Channel going to haunted house. Like houses. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, now that that's cleared up. Mm-hmm. So Leslie Crab or Lionel Crab, sorry, uh, was in MI6 and he was recruited a year after his retirement. But by then his smoking and drinking had taken his toll uh, on his health and he was not quite the same person he was when he was in uh, World War II. So, mm-hmm. you know, smoking, drinking, uh, things uh, affecting the lungs. Yeah. Is perfect. <laughs> When you want to be a diving person. Yeah. <laughs> Just able, uh, able to find your way in an unfamiliar environment and breathe. Just the two. Right. Physical endurance, smoking and drinking excessively, not the best. He's like, oh, come on, love. I could still find a propeller if me had that chance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. His, his accent's all over the place in this, but I was having a, a lot of fun uh, just ima- imagining it. Um, so MI6, they were like, hey, Crab, we got a job for you. And they, he wanted, they was, again, inspecting a Soviet cruiser. This one, the Orzonikidze. Um, and that it actually took Nikita Truschev and Nikolai Bulganin, Bulganin, Bulganis, um, 
<laughs> on a diplomatic mission to Britain. So they were he, checking out this, and apparently what had happened is he went to dive to check out this ship, and then that's where he uh, had disappeared. Um, mm. So there's kind of an idea of like what happened to him. Um, there's one person that was like, yeah, I, I was actually a Russian diver and I saw this dude trying to fuck with our ship. So I cut his airline and then, it, you know, even though that's even, you know, that's pretty bad uh, for a diver cutting his airline. <laughs> pretty bad. <laughs> this guy was also like, then I cut it. I also cut throat, you know, so he wouldn't <laughs> suffer. Sure. And, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I forgot. I forgot about that part. Yeah. <laughs> He cut his throat, cut his airline, uh, not necessarily in that order. And, you know, he was presumed dead. And someone was claimed to do this, but it was, you know, the, the government tried to cover it up because it was a spy mission. So there was no body. And then they even took the page out of the hotel register where him and Sidney Knowles were staying before they went on this mission. Mm. And uh, so they... Uh, they were they put it off like uh, we were actually just testing equipment and this is potential kind of shady duelings by the Soviets. So, you know, we're not at fault here. And of course, the Soviet uh, government was like, no, they, uh, you know, they were actually trying to sneeze, you know, spy on us, figure out what we're doing. So it was a justifiable kind of killing. And even though they're like, but we didn't kill. So, you know, uh, he just maybe got carried away by the current. It's a very OJ, like, if I did it, then this is why. But I didn't do it. <laughs> Meanwhile, right. other guys like, yeah, I cut his throat. <laughs> yeah, that guy who, who just kind of uh, claimed that he did that. Um well, apparently that guy just kind of got to walk away with in his hands in his pocket while whistling. No one ever <laughs> followed up on that one. It was the fifties. They didn't have time for detective work. Um, and then 14 months later after Crab's disappearance on June 9th of 1957, there was a body in the diving suit that was brought to the service by two fishermen. They pulled it up and, um, what was interesting about that was it was missing its head and both of its hands, uh, which made it on like impossible to identify using the technology that was available it's, at the you know, time. The wire season two. Just show. about to fucking say that. <laughs> <laughs> the wire season two was a far off, uh, you know, madman's fever dream at this point. <laughs> but. What was interesting was that the body had the same height, same body hair color, and it was dressed in the same clothes. Um, same height, not was, counting the head, I'm assuming. Yeah, same up know, to shoulder a, height. If we're talking animation standards, he was a head shorter. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, they said that it, it wasn't nefarious necessarily that the body was missing uh, the head and the hands. Because, you know, fish and sharks and whatnot. Um, <laughs> but the, even his ex-wife or his girlfriend, they weren't able to identify his body. Um, he was described as being in a faded ru green rubber frogman suit, which is kind of the style the Royal Navy's, uh would have. Mm -hmm. And then also the remains of a white sweater, which is the most British thing that I've ever heard. <laughs> going to get ready to dive and do a little bit of spying, old chaps. Better bring a sweater. Like, <laughs> so he had a sweater. Uh, the suit had been, and this is a direct quote from the uh, Wikipedia that I read about this. His suit had been cut open from neck to groin and along both legs, revealing, quote unquote, very dark pubic hair. But that still wasn't enough to identify his body. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'd have so many questions if someone just like was like, yep, those are his pubes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's old Lionel. Buster, I know those pubes him. anywhere. Pubes so dark that 
the light can barely be escaped <laughs> from them. I regret that this is the episode um, where we've used the word pubes the most. I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> I, that that's I mean, true. it's my fault. Yes. I would I would I would bet money that we've used pubes on another episode more. <laughs> it's part of history, man. Historic <laughs> pubes is history. Yeah. Um we've done like a all- hundred and something of these. Surely. Surely we've We've gone down that rabbit Surprisingly, hole. pubic hair does not come up that much in history. <laughs> yeah, everybody was going Brazilian back in the yeah, day. Yeah, I mean, usually cum doesn't come up that much in history, but we talk about that. That's true, yeah. <laughs> there was also a, a scar that was apparently on his left knee um, that was should have been there but wasn't there. I don't know if a fish ate the particular scar that was supposed to be there. I don't know. But, um, I mean, there's a lot of different... I mean, basically, they couldn't confirm that that was his body. It was a body of a Royal Navy frogman. Mm -hmm. It was a body. uh, A diving... He was a seagoing man, that body. And it might have been Lionel Crab, might not. So, for all intents and purposes, the dude is just presumed dead. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of theories out there like, he died during a Soviet interrogation where they actually uh, just cut his airline, forced him to service, brought him like onto the ship, gave him medical attention because he almost drowned. And then they just, you know, put him on a chair with no uh, bottom and then, and then whipped him in the nuts with a, a the rope casino or whatever Royale. they did in Casino yeah. Royale. Yes, they gave him the Casino Royale. It was a carpet um, beater. <laughs> with his wet sweat sh- sweater. That's what they did. They knotted it up and whipped him with that. Um, and then, the, you know, another one is that he was just killed by the Soviets. They used the patented throw a bomb into the water mat- method. They, mm-hmm. You know, how ironic. How ironic, yeah. how ironic. You uh, develop a, a system and then it was used against you. The most prominent one, I guess, is that he was captured, brainwashed, and then defected to the Soviet Union and uh, assumed the name Lenny the Krabov. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) Yes. Um, But, yeah. You really phoned it in on the the last name uh, there. My name is Norman Human. (laughs) regular guy (laughs) so that was you know death by misadventure is probably the most common one where he Mm -hmm. just uh you know he was too old and had drank and smoked too much and that he died of oxygen or carbon dioxide and uh, poisoning it was it made him unsuitable for the mission that he had been assigned um i think that body that they found was lionel crab and I think that he actually, and I know this is an audio medium, so bear with me, listeners. I think he was doing some James Bond shit, and he was swimming in, and he was like, and he went to the, see the propeller, and the propeller, he was going to try to shoot the gap like some James Bond shit, and it, <laughs> it cut off his hands. And as he was like, my hands! He was like trying to like catch them, you know, as they fell to the bottom of the sea, and he, but he leaned didn't have forward. Hands. He didn't have hands, so he was going to try to stump him, you know, catch him in his stumps. But when he leaned forward to be like, my hands, he leaned into the propeller and it cut off his head. Uh, this is maybe the first time that the real history also has the alternate history built in. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries. Um, yeah, uh, that is very possible. We uh, the death, the well, fate of Lionel Crab is a question of of many uh, few answers. I mean, we'll see what we'll see what Zach's sources say. Yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah. If you're ready, I can go off. Yeah, uh, go Mitch. Off. Thank you. Thank you, Zach. Whenever you're ready. Yeah. So Lionel was definitely a big in the MI6 community. Um, <laughs> You know, get all uh, the gadgets. Yeah, for sure. 
combining his unique last name and his first initial L, they kind of gave him the code name Lobster. Um, he was a big part of their deep water operations um, in the okay. 1950s. And uh, he got all of the latest developments from Hugh Branch. Uh, at the time, mm -hmm. the biggest one was the smart beach towel. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like camouflage. You could camouflage on contact, you know, replicate the area surrounding you. Um, and, you know, it had a laser. Um, <laughs> you know, it could, you know, do all that kind of... It, and then on one side, when it was like in its non-camouflage state, on one side was the Union Jack. And mm. on the opposite side was a big dog's towel. That said, <laughs> um, Stone Cold Steve Austin with like a dog version of Steve Austin on it. Uh, and it said opening a can of woof ass. So that was kind of the aesthetic they had at the time. It was pretty standard issue. So whenever they launched a beach invasion... Um, they'd have hey, a number of. Is that an actual big dog shirt that exists in the world? No, it yeah, should it, though. It, I mean, it, it. I mean, it is. It started <laughs> with this oh, okay. British intelligence agency, but yes, you can now, or at least in the '90s, you could buy the shirt. <laughs> um, I heard they were going to turn the Union Jack into that and just change the flag altogether. Yeah, I think but, I think it went up to Parliament and the and the House of Lords were like, oh, "We're no fun. We're not going to let that happen." Yeah, the Tories um, shot it down or whatever. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so basically, whenever a mission was a go, they'd have like at the deployment point, people on the beach with their, uh, you know, standard issue towels, and they'd flip it to the Union Jack to say like, oh, the mission is a go. Mm -hmm. um, it's also worth noting that the towel shot a laser. It propels you underwater like a magic carpet. <laughs> um, oh. And it contains a rebreather. So it's really good. It's a pretty good gadget. How is it absorbency wise? Not great. Oh, okay. Yeah. They had to it is cut sub ShamWow. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It, 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 you know, they had to cut out a lot of the absorbency for the, you know, laser. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of scratchy, also, I'm sure. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't feel great. <laughs> you want a second towel in your backpack. Okay. Um, <laughs> for actual toweling. Yeah. Does everything except for toweling. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a big sticker on it that says, don't use as towel. Right. So on the day he was going to go after the Russian boat, Lionel sees Union Jacks aplenty on the beach. It's time to be launched from the traditional standing uh, launch point underneath the nearby dock. He uh, heads out, um, and he could have never anticipated what he was going to see on this mission. It was, it was truly wild. Um, so he was intrigued by the plans for this propeller, right? But as he, as he went out there, starts heading away, um, he discovers that there's a secret lab upon the ship. Like he uses his laser to get inside and discovers there's a secret lab beyond just the propeller. There's, like alchemy and shit like that going on in this place. They're so, trying to bring Hellboy into the like world. <laughs> that kind of, that yeah. kind of alchemy. The Ron Perlman Hellboy, not the um, not the David Harbor David Hellboy. Harbor. But he decides he decides the best way to uh, go about this is to stow away on the boat. Don't just break in, but stow away, hide, and he ends up in a, an exciting secret lab in Barbados. Um, there's a mid-air plane battle. Uh, there's an avalanche in the Ural Mountains as the adventure goes on. Uh, he ends up in an undersea lab in the Mediterranean. Um, he's now bo uh, joined by a new busty bombshell partner named, um, and I actually, uh, her name is Busty Thick. Um, <laughs> but that's actually, it's actually Busty Thai CC because she's the 200th at her line. So it's Busty Thai CC. 
the two hundredth busty tie. Um, Quick, if someone can get uh, the domain bustythick.com. The Russian. <laughs> uh, redirect it they to have the to fight against Russian scientist uh dr dimitri strangle of course um, <laughs> noted war criminal for the soviet union um dr strangle has cracked the medusa code which is an alchemical process that allows a biochemical that not only when when you unleash it onto people it turns their skin gray as stone and um makes them stiff as a rock and kills them. So essentially, it's the Medusa Code. It turns them to statues biochemically. Um, very dangerous if you can unleash it worldwide. Yeah, uh, in the wrong hands, we'll all, mm, be, all exactly. be Pompeii times 10. Exactly. So um, eventually, Crab is able to defeat Strangle by putting him inside of a torpedo, the same torpedo he launches to destroy his evil uh, evil underground lab. And I'm sure there's some like big beefy guys that he kills in the process in interesting ways as well. Uh, I didn't name them, but I'm sure they <laughs> There's one that's named Ralph for sure. Mm. Oh, yeah. For sure. Another named Rafe. Rafe and Ralph. So now, with a sample of the Medusa formula uh, in pocket, Agent Lobster returns to the dock from which he was uh, departed from. But uh, unfortunately, uh, in his final um, closing in to the dock, uh, the vial breaks, and he's exposed to the formula, turning him immediately to stone. And so he's lost. Nobody knows where he is. Um. And so they decide to launch a rescue operation in the standard procedure. Uh, a number of British agents go on the beach with their standard issue, uh, you know, uh, uh, Union Jack towels. And um, one person writes, we were at the beach. Everybody had matching towels. <laughs> somebody, somebody went under a dock and there they saw a rock, but it wasn't a rock. It was a rock lobster. And that's the true story. Robbed. That's the true story of um, that's the true story of Lionel Crab. That's Rock Lobster. That's the true story of Lionel Crab. <laughs> so there you go. That's what happened. Dang. I wouldn't have figured that Le- I don't know. Um, at least he took one for the team and stole the Medusa technology because I don't think we could have handled everyone petrifying at one point. Yeah, he mm. did save the world, but he did get mm-hmm. petrified under a dock. That's why, of course... A- Agent Lobster, RIP, pour one out. That's why, of course, that f- famous sad, slow ballad was written about him. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, Zach, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. Before we get to uh, judgment, uh, just want to say that we would love to hear from you. Uh, if you want, we've gotten letters in the past. Uh, we always appreciate it. So you can do, send us a comment, question, uh, recipe, um, treasure map, uh, Skyrim advice to uh, revisionistpodcast at gmail.com or just use the contact form on our website uh, revisionistpodcast.com uh, or find us on Instagram or Twitter um, in theory we're on Facebook too that's not updated uh, <laughs> because <laughs> Facebook is a hellhole um, mm. it and, the, it's the lowest rung of hell it's, yeah, it's, it's Dante's Inferno and know. then there's Some, like it's it's hard to beat Twitter. I'd love I'd love to see the new circles of hell based on social media platforms. Yeah. And to be frank, Facebook, I'll give it this. Parlor is probably below it if that still yeah. exists. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, That's I feel like there was a while where like Facebook and Twitter were sort of like neck and neck. Yeah, but, but Facebook then, like, pulled ahead. Yeah, yeah Facebook. Mm-hmm. Ahead is a fun way to think about that. Um, it was a quantum finish. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
also, uh, we ask that if you have the time, uh, and really, it to listen to us whine. God fucking damn it. <laughs> <laughs> am I just um, paranoid or am I just stoned? Little from column A, little from column B. <laughs> Lizards, when, when I was on leave, we put up our Ernest Shackleton episode as one of our uh, classics, which contains the most extended Green Day riff, I think, in the history of podcasting. Um, I think this is only the second episode in which we've mentioned Green yeah. Day. I believe I just, Jordan Dahl was our guest on yeah. the episode. Yeah. Uh, just want to say, we don't typically talk about Green Day if this is like your introduction to the podcast. They've only listened to that episode and this one. And yeah. now they're like, these guys talk about Green Day, Day a, lot. a lot. We're usually an offspring podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anyway, uh, listeners, uh, we're going to take a hiatus, but we'll wake you up when September ends. So, um, <laughs> Jesus, um, no, but if you have the time and really it only takes a couple minutes, um, we ask that you write a review of this podcast on your podcast service of choice. Um, Apple podcast is especially helpful because that's a lot of you know, people use it every time i try to come up with like a way you can have a fun review like oh nonsense phrase from the episode that you put with five stars this time if you want to write one write a review for one of green day's albums don't acknowledge you're writing a review for a podcast at all and list as five stars i think that'd be a lot of fun mm-hmm. think of how many five star green day albums there are uh-huh American Nimrod, whatever. Nimrod. Whether or not you, I mean, what you put in there is is inconsequential. That's what I'm saying. Do the review. The five stars and the written, that's all that matters. You can write whatever you want. Talk about the time you saw this podcast at Warp Tour. Yeah. I mean, something unpredictable, but in the end, it's right. (laughs) It is right. I agree. I agree. Um, Also, uh, if you are so inclined, uh, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash the revisionists with uh, $1 and $5 a month options for supporting us. Um, And if you have disposable income and aren't good with your money, uh, you can send some our way. Um, Hi, man. Like, uh, Jeff Bezos went to fucking space, you know. We could, you could spend. There's worse ways to spend your money than uh, than our podcast. Yeah, at least we're true. at least we're poor people. <laughs> Brian has a yeah, baby. You won't be a class. Yeah, baby. don't be a class trader. Yeah. Support yeah. the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'm still also kicking over the fact that. When he came back, he said, thank you, Amazon workers and customers, because you paid for this. Uh, at least he's on out of here. At did least he really he's on Yeah. He did say that. Oh, God. Um, but anyway. That gives me one. I'm going to. Oh, oh, oh. 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 I wish he got wearing a, fucking... a cowboy hat, too, which was the fucking. If only he would have gotten like several bottles of pissed whipped at them. <laughs> just right then you know and there. Maybe in space, a lot of piss fell in his face and he just covered it up and it was like, don't talk about that. <laughs> Listen, we're getting back we to Earth. To it's been a great time in space. Do not tell anyone about my piss face. I beg you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we you- won't if he figures out what happened to Lionel Crab. <laughs> I'll give you six you months to. of free prime. If, or whatever. Yeah, um, dude, I want to watch Invincible and the boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Mitch, actually, speaking of watching things, you co-host Broadcast Geeks. Um, I do. Yeah, do you want to tell, tell the world about it? Yes, we are uh, a very inconsistent... Like, we're not a very timed, uh, you know, we're currently talking, and the one that released today is talking about like the fourth or fifth episode of Loki, um, mm. but we talk about random things that, you know, we have no real uh, agenda or anything, but 
we we talk about what we watched and when we watch it, what we thought about it. Mostly, you know, on in the geek realm of superhero, Star Trek, Star Wars. Um, there was one episode we talked about uh, if you would ever trust a self-driving car because one of the hosts is all about Tesla and everything in that. So mm-hmm. um, we talked about that and that just kind of eventually just ended up in like, you know, does it follow Terminator rules or RoboCop rules for robotics? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you can find that on Podbean. Uh, we are on Apple Podcast, and then we just started doing it on Spotify, but mm-hmm. I don't think anyone listens on Spotify to our podcast at least. So anyway. I, I'm just also picturing like RoboCop rules for a self-driving car being like, whatever you get out, you have to say, nice driving son, what's your name? And the car Murphy. has to say Murphy. Oh, I was thinking Murphy. like oh, so you the car sees dick a criminal and, and drives into their dick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it would probably just follow Terminator rules because they, there's never been a human element to a self-driving car. So, I mean, Unless hopefully you... they follow uh, Asimov rules, right? That's the, that's yeah. the goal. Never yeah. turn against your, your, uh, a human. Or I don't just, know. Yeah, fucking Roomba rules. Or <laughs> BattleBot rules. That's my fucking... BattleBots. Um, Zach, you all... Uh, you... A... Sorry. I was just going to say, it. Now, sure. that's a name I've not heard in a long <laughs> in a time. W- <laughs> long time. <laughs> um, Zach, you co-host Movie uh, Trap. Um, that's true. Which... Um, yeah. Uh that's a film podcast with uh, me and a couple of my friends. Um, the basic premise is uh, each session, which is three episodes, we pick a theme. Each of us chooses an entrant for that theme. And at the end, we pick who, uh, who had the best, uh, the best choice. And that person gets to pick the next theme. And, and the theme can be anything. It could be as narrow as literally Sam Peckinpah films or as wide as one time we had, uh, you know, movies, your significant other loves. And Ah. in that case, we just let our significant, significant others pick the movie for us. Um, Yeah. But you can also do it petty and, and uh, pick a shitty theme. So you force your co-hosts to watch a bad movie. So that's why it's called the movie trap. I love it. Um, yeah. So uh, if you like that, uh, you can find it on podcast areas. <laughs> awesome. The podcast area. I just go and download it into my 5G chip that I have in <laughs> Yeah, <now>. into, your, <laughs> into your listen holes. Um, yep. yep. <laughs> anyway, that brings us to um, that brings us to the judgment phase, um, which falls to me this episode. And um sometimes there is a twist at the end of an alternate that i both love and makes me the the joke of it makes me angry and i love it at the same time <laughs> so for that reason i have i have to cast my vote for the alternate history um, yes that was pretty solid man um, Who would have known that the buildup for that was? I I, I worked backwards from that premise. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I tried yeah. to make it seem like it was a real alternate in its own right, like it was a James Bond spoof. Yeah, no, that's what I was. <laughs> I, that's what I figured you were going for, and then at the end, you pulled the prestige on me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I but do you want one of those towels though? Those yeah. towels sound pretty great. You did also invent a towel that I wouldn't want to use as a towel, but hey. If the I Union ever... Jack slash Big, big Dog Stone Cold Steve Poston towel? Yeah, yeah. Oh. That's the side. If That's the side you see if there's danger. Mm-hmm. Um, but listeners, voting is now open on Patreon. And uh, check out our Instagram story on... Uh, august 4th for the final round of voting um but that'll that'll do it 
for this episode. Uh, Mitch, Great. thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, fellas. It's a lovely time, as always, coming back and doing The Revisionist. And thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for doing thanks it. Thanks for coming. Zach, thank you, as always. Of course. Thank you uh, for doing the hosting stuff. Yeah. Um, also, real quick, um, I probably, I've got to say this up front next time we record, but uh, since Kathleen has been born, Zach has taken on the editing and a lot of the booking and stuff for the show, and it's been super helpful, and thank you for doing that. Um, but uh, for everyone here at The Revisionists, for everyone here at The Revisionists, let me get the name of the fucking show right, uh, <laughs> I've been Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. Have a good time. Have a good time. July 24th, 1987. At age 91, Holda Crooks becomes the oldest known person to climb Mount Fuji, which hopefully finally got her grandchildren to give her a call. July 24th, 1943. Operation Gomorrah, the code name given to the Allied bombing of Hamburg, Germany, begins. Not to be confused with Operation Sodom, the code name for butt stuff. <laughs> My daughter is here. <laughs> Um, July 24th, 1866. Tennessee becomes the first state to be readmitted to the Union following the Civil War, and all we have to show for it is Dollywood. July 24th, 1701. Antoine de la Cadillac founds the trading post at Fort Pontchartrain, which would later become the city of Detroit. A painting of the founding shows Cadillac with vomit on his sweater already, Mom Spaghetti. July 24th, 1866, Tennessee becomes the first U.S. state to be readmitted to the Union after the American Civil War, after an overwhelming Union demand to return to Dollywood. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> basically the same, Great same joke. <laughs> July 24th, 1901, O. Henry is released from prison in Columbus, Ohio, after serving three years for embezzlement. He embezzled for his wife for Christmas, who had gotten him a vacation to somewhere besides prison that she paid for by turning state's evidence. July 24, 1969. Apollo 11 splashes down safely in the Pacific Ocean. Somewhere, Jeff Bezos dreams of replicating the event, but only if it's a small step for man and also a giant leap for man. None of this mankind bullshit. <laughs>